not sure that really having sex, it's like sex. I don't, I wasn't sure what it was, and I had five anyway, so. There were only single dudes in the audience. Nothing but single dudes. Y'all are in the wrong movie. This is a different movie than what it is. Of course, they're probably thinking the same thing about me, but I have my notebook, guys. I'm like, look, I'm here to review this. Welcome to Fright Club. First rule of Fright Club, you do talk about Fright Club. Second rule of Fright Club, you do talk about Fright Club. Third rule of Fright Club, you post, share, comment, and tweet about Fright Club. Welcome. I guess the first rule before any of those rules is you show up for Fright Club. That's so right. thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank Welcome. You very much. We are back. Finally back at Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. From MadWolf.com. And as the kids say, it's been a minute. <laughs> been a while. Uh, because we've been busy making a movie, as you can tell from my t shirt, sporting right. some Obstacle Corpse swag. That's uh, we filmed our very first feature, Obstacle Corpse, written and directed by Hope Madden. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> so we had to shirk our Fright Club duties a little bit while that was going on, but we're glad to be back. And actually, that ties in. We've got two fun announcements. We think they're important. Hope you'll think so as well. <laughs> and our first one actually ties in with Obstacle Corpse and how you can help us get it to the finish line. And also, pick up a t-shirt. So we're going to have a fundraiser. It's going to help us cover post-production costs. We're going to have a fundraiser on Saturday, June 25th at Burns Pub. There will be a band and uh, some merchandise, uh, T-shirts. There's going to be autographed race bibs, so uh, a whole bunch of the cast, which is a big group of humans, going to sign up some race bibs. And we're going to have a band. We're going to auction off some stuff, including some trophies, Obstacle Corpse trophies, actual props from the set, as well as some of our obstacle signage, Tube of Doom and the Log Jam and whatnot. And it should be fun. It should be a lot of fun, and I hope that you guys will come out and help us cover things like color correction and sound so that when we premiere it here at the Gateway Film Center at a Fright Club, you guys will be impressed by the product. Yeah, so it's, again, it's Saturday, June 25th at Burns Pub in Grandview. And if you're thinking, hey, did you have it there so you can walk home after you <laughs> drink too much? The answer is yes. Good call. Partly. That's part of that. Like but also that they are great to us. And uh, uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, the band, Ladies of Longford, friends That's of right. ours, a fantastic Celtic band, yep. Irish band is going to play for us. Uh, did you mention the hours? I don't think I did. 7.30 to 10.30 will be the actual event. And then, of course, you're welcome to just stay late with us and get drunk. Yeah, and uh, we're going to make a Facebook event, <laughs> so we'll have all of those uh, details up soon. But we wanted to make that announcement here, and I uh, hope you can join us. We'll have to keep you in suspense a little bit for the second announcement. We'll have that a little bit later, but um, we want to say thank you. And a lot of them are here tonight. L- last time seems like buddies. months ago That's when right. we had our last Fright Club podcast in the studio with the Spooky Buddies. Yay. bunch of them are here. Thank yeah, you so whole much. Yeah, bunch of them here. Yep. That was a lot of fun. Megan and Spencer yep. and Monty and the soon-to-be-married couple, Pina, Joe, and Dizak. Yes. Yay. Very soon. <laughs> Give you that early congratulations. So that was a lot of fun. We had the Spooky Buddies. We talked about Spooky Buddies. And, uh, and had a blast doing it. It so was. Thank it you was once very, again. very much fun. It was not nearly the mayhem that I was promised. <laughs> and by the way, looking at the Spooky Buddies and looking at everybody else, good T-shirt game tonight. Oh, yeah. 
There usually As is, always, correct. but you know we've got uh, we've got the Porkins from Star Wars, very nice. We've got Halloween. I think uh, Seth had a Fulci shirt on. Yep. We've got Maniac over here, very nice. Who's wearing a dress? However, who's wearing a Nosferatu dress? <laughs> I win. <laughs> so that was last time, Spooky Buddies. Looking ahead to this time, the category pretty self-explanatory. Um, it's like those Lifetime movies where a, a babysitter killed my husband, and you say. What's that about? <laughs> they had sex with what? Yeah. That's the category tonight. How did you arrive at that? Please, clue well, us in. Well, actually, our beloved Melissa Dina was, uh, she had a meme up, and it was somebody had put together a list of horror films about having sex with monsters, essentially. And and I thought, and I looked through the list, and I thought, oh, I can do so much better than that. <laughs> um, personal so challenge. let's see if I have. <laughs> you took it as a personal challenge. All right, well, hopefully it has been successful. We're going to find out as we count them down. And... See one of them tonight, uh, a fantastic movie uh, called Spring. Good to see that on the big screen. I think a lot of people here maybe have seen it already, but maybe not on the big screen, so we'll see. A lot of people have not. And as always, we want to get your comments, your thoughts on it after after it's done. Please uh, come down and we'll talk about it and get you on the podcast. So uh, that is how we got to this topic. So anything you want to talk about before we get to the five that yeah. we're counting down? I think the main thing I was looking for was consent. Uh, because it's not difficult to find subhumanoid creatures having sex with women against their will. That's or or you know or demons or or you know the internet. I mean, there's all kinds of computers. Yeah, all kinds of. But um, that's not what I was looking for. I was looking for movies where all parties involved are are willing. And then also, you know, I went back and forth on the movie Society. I'm not sure they're really having sex. It's like sex. I don't. I wasn't sure what it was, and I had five anyway. So, so society's not on the list. But watch it if you haven't. That could maybe lead as a, a spinoff into a totally different category. Yeah, I don't you never know, know what they're doing. Maybe it's sex. That's what are. I mean, that's a long is. time maybe title. Maybe it's sex. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we narrowed that down, and we've got uh, the top five. Are there any? I don't see any on the list here that kind of just fell outside. Are there any? Nope. Okay, easy enough. Actually, maybe number five gets to that because we debated number five a little bit we as did. to whether it qualified or not. And we'll we'll talk about that as we count down. So at number five, at a top secret research facility in the late 1960s, a lonely janitor forms a unique relationship with an amphibious creature that is being held in captivity from 2017, the Oscar winner, The Shape of Water. When he looks at me, he doesn't know how I am incomplete. He sees me as I am. The natives in the Amazon worshipped it like a god. Get him out. What are you talking about? No. We need to take it apart, learn how it works. I don't want an intricate, beautiful thing destroyed. We can do nothing. I'm sorry. Don't do this, Alasa. What is she saying? Don't do this. Oh, God, it's not even human. The Shape of Water, so the first thing we talked about was whether or not we considered this a horror movie. I know a lot of people do. I personally don't. It's definitely a monster movie. Though. Yeah, it definitely is. And um, she for sure has sex with him. So. Yes, she does. And, uh, <laughs> and I really like it. So I think that's because, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think, when it came out, um, I, I didn't see it as a horror film, but... I know that Scott Bradley of Hellbent for Horror, he definitely did. He had a whole campaign oh, yeah. 
um, about it. And then also Chris Hamill, the From president here at the gateway, of, yeah. uh, of the film center, he also considered horror movie. So it didn't occur to me when I watched it the first time that it was. It is Guillermo del Toro, so essentially everything he makes is is spooky, you know, and has that sort of beautiful kind of grotesque fairy tale about it. So I could certainly see putting it in this category, particularly for this particular podcast. Yeah, so it lands at number five. And I, I love the quote from uh, Guillermo del Toro about uh, pitching it to Sally Hawkins. He said he, he first pitched the idea at the 2014 Golden Globes, and he said he was drunk when he did it. <laughs> and he said, it's not a movie that makes you sound less drunk. Uh, <laughs> which, no, no, it doesn't. But she is magnificent in the movie, she as is. she always, always is. And it's such a heart on your sleeve project, which so much, so many of his movies are. They really are, yeah. And I think, and it's funny, you know, a, a lot of times, especially monster movies, sensual monster movies, there's a, a romance about a lot of vampire films, but I don't think anybody does it as beautifully, as touchingly as Del Toro does. And in almost all of his films, you can find that that kind of dreamy romance about, you know, the the beast. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and of course, Doug Jones, who plays the beast oh, in so yeah. many of his movies, and is magnificent in all of them. He's so great in Pan's Labyrinth. He's so great in in Hellboy. I mean, he's just so wonderful in these movies. And he he's just perfect in this film. But you know, and also Michael Shannon. I can't. Uh, you can't not talk about Michael Shannon's oh, movie. Yeah. He's great Always. in every single thing he's ever done. He's so menacing in this movie as his finger just rots away and he doesn't do anything about it. You're like, what is going on here? Yeah. There are so many things about this movie that are really, really memorable. But Sally Hawkins. She's so is great. Just so phenomenal. The whole thing movie. is so poetic and, and it's like a fable, <laughs> yeah. a story, oh, which of course, a, a moral. Yeah. Richard Jenkins. And the idea goes back. Apparently, Guillermo del Toro said the idea goes back to, as you might imagine, Creature from the Black Lagoon was a sure. big inspiration and he said when he first saw it as a kid he thought it would be great if the creature and julie adams who plays k in the Mm -hmm. film wound up living together (laughs) he said he was six years old he didn't know any better so you can certainly see how this was inspired by that movie not only from the look of the creature uh, but just the overall tone of it you know i don't think he's the only person who thought the creature was maybe the better choice (laughs) probably not no (laughs) but as a as a kid that's a a wonderful thing to wonder about. Yeah. You know, as, as that movie uh, panned out. And, and this is a, it's a great, it, it has a great look about it. Everything, the production design, all the, uh, all the cast, as you mentioned, Octavia, Octavia Spencer, right. Michael Stuhlbarg. Yeah. So great. And uh, although I, I'll be honest, it surprised me a little bit that it won the Oscar for best picture. Yeah. It wasn't the best picture that came out. That no, year, but no, I didn't think it so. was a great one. So hooray. <laughs> it was a great one. And, when you answer the question, they had sex with what? I guess it answers it in the synopsis, an amphibious creature, Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And, and, and they lived happily ever after. They did. <laughs> Sally Hawkins and Doug Jones. So that uh, clocks in at number five on our list from 2017, The Shape of Water. Moving up to number four. Now, this is the one we're going to see tonight, so we're not going to talk much about it. But it's a young man in a personal tailspin fleeing from the U.S. to Italy where he sparks up a romance with a woman harboring a dark primordial secret from 2014 it's spring i've been seeing this girl she's really pretty that shit gives me some doubts you're the most attractive person i've ever seen but that doesn't outweigh that you might be a mental patient and i gotta make sure you're the kind of crazy i can deal with no no i'm a bunch of confusing biochemistry and some crazy hormones 
Let's see if the yank can keep up, eh? I don't think you're ready for where this is going. Explain it to me. I don't know how much longer I'm going to stay here. So how many of you have seen this one? Okay. Okay, a lot of people haven't. Yeah. Good number. I'm very Good glad. number, but yeah, a lot of people have not. That's great. I remember this is the well, this is the second feature from uh, Benson and Moorhead. Yep. And the first one was a resolution. Which we've th- shown here. Yeah, that I remember was I think one of the very last movies I reviewed for the paper. Yep. Uh, the other paper before it shut down. And I remember going into that movie totally, totally blind, and it just blew me away with amazing. where it went. Yeah. And so when this one came out, I was so interested. And this one <laughs> went <laughs> in another direction when you when you hear that trailer and when she says, I have a condition that comes and goes. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> yes, she does. What Again, we're not going to spoil anything, but please come down afterwards. We want to get your reaction, especially if you haven't seen it already. Yeah. I think the only thing, you know, if you're, if you're familiar with their work, with uh, Endless or Synchronic or, of course, Resolution... This movie is completely different from those films, and mm-hmm. those films are all really kind of of a piece. They've got a lot in common, those three f- films. And if those are the only ones of theirs that you've seen, I think that this is going to be a real surprise to you. But it's a beautiful movie. It is. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, looking forward to seeing it and seeing it on the big screen. So uh, we'll leave that behind and look forward to your comments later. That is spring, number four. One hour and 49 minutes later. So we liked it, yes? Yeah? Yay. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, so it's Justin Benson and Aaron, Aaron Moorhead. And, and once again, if you've seen any of their films, I mean, you start to see some familiarity. They, they work with familiar themes, but but big concepts. I mean, this one has a, a lot of, especially in that last speech there, some, some age-old themes, but the, the concept is <laughs> that they wrap it in here is, is definitely unique. Yeah, I think, I mean, in, uh, they go cosmic a lot. And, and in most of their films, they're sort of a time loop. They're, they're preoccupied with time, I think. And mm-hmm. in this movie, it's, it's, it's approached differently. But I think all of their films really straddle genres. I mean, I think there's oh, yeah. a horror element to everything. And here, it's definitely a monster movie. But it's, it's so unabashedly romantic. Yeah, and, and funny. Uh, and it is funny. But Luke Taylor Pucci, I think, is just perfect in this movie he's just earnest and open in a way that makes you just you know you hope for the best even though you're like you're gonna give up smoking (laughs) fuck you is that really your offer and yet you know he just is so like earnest and sweet but um and the other the other lead is nadia hilker i believe correct yeah yeah they're they're an interesting couple and they're they're (laughs) and, and just like uh his other film, well, starting with, uh, I mentioned the first time I saw Resolution, yeah. I was struck by the, the humor in it. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, and, Resolution's hilarious. It really is. But this one has very funny moments as well. Shitty Carl makes another. They, <laughs> yeah, they, Shitty if Carl. You, if you've seen any of their films, they always reference Shitty Carl. We never get to meet him, but they always talk about Shitty Carl. One day, maybe. Very funny. <laughs> and for their second feature, you have to think the, the budget wasn't, you know, it wasn't a synchronic budget. But when you finally do see the creature effects, they're... You know, they're not bad. Yeah, no, they're not. And it's a gorgeous movie. I mean, the location is, is just beautiful. Oh, boy, it really is. You know, what, what I loved most about it was the metaphor for sort of, you know, new love. You know, you want someone to be the same as when you meet them for the first time. And, you know, this this movie only takes place over the handful of days. And you, you want that person to be the, you know, the same as when you met them. 
right off the bat. And, you know, this obviously takes it to the, the nth degree with her obviously, talk, uh, you know, turning into a monster. So I just, I love the metaphor aspect of it. Yeah, right from the, the title, Spring, has always been thought of as a time of rebirth. And you see that theme over and over again. You see the flowers, you see the, the, uh, the caterpillars and such, the insects, all those, that theme is represented visually all over the movie. Yeah, I agree. It was a really gorgeous movie to look at. Um, it was amazing that it's only, it was only their second film. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it seems like a lot of their budget went to the effects with her changing into the monster and also the fact that they shot it in Italy. Um, I also really like the fact, like you were saying, how they were, uh, how they kind of like keep on using like time as like a theme in their movies. Like you see that in this one, you see that in The Endless. Yeah, I think that it's uh, they're an interesting couple of filmmakers, and uh, and their preoccupations I think are very. Um, you see them repeated. This movie is so much different than their other films, which I find fascinating. It looks different. The perspective is different, you know. And and resolution I loved. I thought it was a great movie. It it was a really well made movie, but it looked ugly. It looked like a low budget film. I mean, in a really good way. It was so hard to. To, to picture those two people making this movie as their next film. It's so just lush and gorgeous, and the themes are so much more feminine than they are in their other films. They've actually uh, said in interviews that they wrote this film as a counterpoint to interview with the vampire, to the Vampire Chronicles, and huh. that it's about a creature who actually enjoys the condition that they have. That's an, that's an interesting way to approach it, but you can definitely see that. Yeah. Got some thoughts? Yeah, uh, one was that Roger Corman would have died for these locales. Oh, yeah, that's really true. And the other is uh, I got a very much of a nature vibe and predator prey where she was a predator, but she didn't want to prey on him, and he was trying to basically turn her vegan. <laughs> What's love? The theme is love and commitment. So even though you said this one is different than other movies, I think all of their movies so far that I've seen start out with a basis of the main character and his friends. This one started out with his mom died and his friends were with him together at the the bar and that propelled them there. And the other movies have been like, oh, it's we got to go to a cabin and save our other friend. Or we have to go to our cult and save our other friend. It, it, it's like, it always seems like the basis, like the main character and one friend together propel the whole story. And I, I don't know. I think it's because it's two guys that make these movies together mm -hmm. and they use that as the basis for everything that they do in these movies. So That's an interesting take, and I think that, that that makes really good sense. I feel like in a lot of their films, the friction sometimes to me in their films I think is between wanting to be together forever and being tired of being together, which might be their relationship. <laughs> like, we're stuck together. Uh, but also, hooray! And I can see that, and I've never really thought of that before. It kind of goes on how you were talking about uh, how he's like, oh, you can give up immortality, I'll give up smoking. I also thought that was kind of funny at first, like stupid. But the more you think about it, um, he rolls his own cigarettes. like So it's kind of like this intimate process that means something to him. Mm. And that's all he has left in, in his life, really. I think mean, his whole family's dead. So he was offering to give up everything he had for her. Granted, was not that much, but it was everything that he had. So that's kind of what I got out of it. That's a, actually an excellent point. And the other thing, if you think about it, is that it will extend his life. So, you know, and she's, you know, she's given up living forever. And so the least he can do is stick around for as long as she's going to be here. And they also claim uh, 
Vincent Amore had claimed to be one of the first to use drone photography. They were playing with it early on, and this was a number of years ago, what, mm-hmm. seven, seven, eight years ago now. And they said they were just kind of playing with it, seeing how many shots they could get, and almost every thing that they shot with the drone ended up in the movie. And now, of course, you see it, it's, it's, it's a lot more prevalent. I do love all of the Harry Potter yeah. nods. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even sure if I understand why they're in there, like thematically, but I thought they were fun. There were a couple of shots, like when she did the thing with the rabbit and like the alley kind of thing, that like the, her, her structure looked like his mother's in the beginning, and I thought that was interesting. Oh, that's oh, a good point. That is. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. These are good thoughts. Appreciate that. Well, it's a head scratcher. This movie, I think, has a lot of. Uh, oh yeah. It, oh, it's open to a lot of interpretation. I think. It is. It is. But but still about very universal themes, just mm-hmm. put in a, in a high concept, and that's what they do. Uh, so we look forward to what the what they're doing next. Actually, I was talking. Was it Brandon? You were saying they've been directing things for Disney Plus, some of the series. Moon Knight. I didn't know Oscar that. Isaac. Yeah, haven't seen Which any we've of not that. Seen, of course, we have but. not. We have not, so we'll see what they, we're lame. <laughs> what they do after that. Just gorgeous. Yeah, looking forward to seeing it and seeing it on the big screen. So uh, we'll leave that behind and look forward to your comments later. That is spring, number four, from 2014. Moving up to number three, this is from 2016. A couple in a troubled marriage locate a meteorite, initiating an encounter with a mysterious creature. Their lives are turned upside down by the discovery of the creature, which is a source of both pleasure and destruction, the untamed. No surprise that um, the Shape of Water was inspired by a creature from the Black Lagoon. Really no surprise if you've seen that, that this was inspired by Possession. Of course, it was also, the movie's dedicated to the director, um, Andre Zulowski. Yes. I pronounced that right? Good call. Uh, directed, it was inspired and uh, dedicated to him. And this one, if you want to catch it, it's on Shutter right now. It is. And it's an excellent watch. It's an amazing movie. And, and it's funny because he takes as sort of absurd and surreal as possession is, this one is the absolute opposite side. I mean, it's so decidedly grounded in reality. It's so meticulously a family drama. (laughs) And that makes this other part of it, like, so much, (laughs) for me, so much more unnerving. You know, when you watch Possession, they're all nuts, and they all do completely insane things. And you think, oh, well, of course, sure. I mean, why not? But in this movie, you're like, what the fuck? What is happening right now? But it's a big, weird meditation on on sexual dissatisfaction, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm not sure how the director winds up solving that. I like what his final thoughts are on. <laughs> it almost seems like at the end he's like, seriously, you're better off. Good sex is going to kill you. For me, that was the theme of that movie. So I'd be interested in what anybody else got out of it. <laughs> yeah, because it blends elements of mystery yeah. and not just horror, and then elements of is this really even happening uh when you get into the the creature effects and they show a little bit of the creature there in the uh in the trailer but yeah very much uh sexual longing and dissatisfaction to the point of yeah i i get that what is the point 
<laughs> and uh, um, yeah, they had sex with what uh, certainly qualifies. And, and and did they enjoy it? That's the other question. Oh, they did. Yep, 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 they did. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the, the untamed, certainly one that uh, fits, fits the bill here. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's certainly a style because it is interesting, just like you mentioned, though it's inspired by possession and, and dedicated to the director. It definitely goes in, in different directions because you can break down different themes going on in, in possession, and this one is harder to do that. Well, and I also think, though, that um, it's just so much more naturalistic in everything about it. The mm-hmm. performances are, are really stunning and, um, and heartbreaking in a lot of ways. It's a Spanish-language film, and the, the characters are so trapped in their existence by finances and also just by sort of the, the moral code of, of where they grew up and where they live. It's so very different. The, the context is so de- very different from this incredibly esoteric, very white bread world in possession. It's fascinating that the filmmaker found common ground. Um, yeah, but it's, I mean, say, it's a really good movie. Yeah, we should say writer-director is Amat Escalante. Yes. And the performances, Ruth Ramos, yeah. Simone Buccio, and Jesus Meza. And Ruth Ramos will just yeah. kill you. She's amazing. Yeah, and that is number three on our list. They had sex with what? The Untamed <laughs> from 2016. All right, moving up to uh, number two, getting toward the top. Well, this is the one we were just talking about. From 1981, a woman starts exhibiting increasingly disturbing behavior after asking her husband for a divorce. Suspicions of infidelity soon give way to something much more sinister. It is possession. Two men and a woman no man could ever possess. Mortal terror. Inhuman ecstasy. So this movie has made many a podcast for us because it's just, <laughs> I fucking love this movie so much. It's such an amazing film. And, uh, and Mark and Anna, they're having troubles in their relationship. And, and Mark suspects that Anna is being unfaithful. Is it with Heinrich, who seems willing to have sex with literally anybody else in the film? <laughs> it probably is, but it's not just Heinrich. Yeah. It's also this big tentacled Moloch monster. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Um, but that's not even the weirdest thing that happens in the movie, I don't think. Because there's doppelgangers, there's Bob. I love that, that their young son is named Bob. It seems like such a funny name for a child. It just <laughs> seems Bob. And I don't think anybody's properly caring for Bob. I don't think his parents are looking after him very well. So so luckily, Isabella Johnny also plays the school teacher who uh, does look after Bob. The movie is nuts. Yeah, this was initially banned as a video nasty in the UK in the oh, early 80s. Wasn't? Then later approved in the late 90s. But this is one, we were talking about this just a little bit ago, that there's different ways to break it down. And a lot of people have, of course, the easiest way, the, the, the most, I suppose, um, surface level interpretation is of divorce because uh, director was, the filmmaker was going through a divorce at the time. But then when you consider that it takes place in, in post-war Berlin, in Cold War Berlin, right. there's an, a metaphor between, you know, the, the wall, uh, and which is a separation between countries, a separation of, uh, of people in marriage. So there's a lot of ways to break it down. And also the fact that you always bring this up, whether something is even really happening or if it's in a matter of psychosis, her psychosis, you could bring that into this movie as well. 
you could, and I and I think also because the first character that you meet is Mark, is um, Sam Neill, is uh, it could also be all in his head as he's he's leaving his super uh, mysterious, dangerous seeming lab kind of medical maybe military post job. We don't really know, but that's going to come back toward the end of the movie. So I do think that there's something to say, like he's trying to say something politically as well. But it could also all be in his head because he's clearly also going crazy, and he's great in this movie. Mm-hmm. Sam Neill is great in this movie. Isabella Johnny is just, uh, she's just a force of nature in this movie. She's so magnificent. And it must have been awful to play that role. And she just does it beautifully. Yeah. She just wrecks you. And, of course, that scene of her in the in the subway, subway has station. become iconic. Yeah. It was uh, recreated by Rosamund Pike, actually, in the music video, the Ma- Massive Attacks music video, Voodoo in My Blood. And it's just become such an iconic scene, although there's many memorable scenes in this movie. Yeah. And this, so we mentioned the, the filmmaker. I want to try to pronounce it once again. Andre Zulowski. Yes. All right. This is the one that uh, that we talked about because it was uh, the inspiration for the Untamed. Yeah. And that's that's interesting. You talk about it from being Sam Neill's perspective. It could be in his head, but that's that's definitely true. You could see it from a lot of different angles, and it's once you bring the creature into it, <laughs> it 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 gets nutty, but yet it it's grounded in in very recognizable themes. I think. Yeah, one of the reasons that I think that if it's if it's if you're not going to take it on surface value and and you're going to see it as as one of the characters sort of you know bent reality uh, perception of reality, I think it's Marks because mm-hmm. it's everything he's afraid is happening to his wife or that his wife is experiencing or that or that he can't satisfy in his wife. It doesn't make any sense to me for it to be from her perspective. Well, and it's interesting too, the doppelgangers. Yeah. When they came in, how different they are. Yeah. They're almost like the the proper. Uh, yeah, or the proper or the the, the ideal yeah. what the other one is looking for. And this is one we got to see this on the big screen. In fact, right Gateway here, had a four K yeah. uh, restoration of that, which is always, always a treat to catch this. And it's a memorable film number two on our list. If they had sex with what? From 1981 Possession. So let's move it up to number one because let me time check. Oh, we got to get it moving. And this is uh, pretty recent. This is just from last year. Following a series of unexplained crimes, a father is reunited with the son who has been missing for 10 years. Of course, it's detained. Well, let me tell you about the way she looked, the way she acted, the color of her hair. Her voice was soft and cool, her eyes were clear and bright, but she's not there. <laughs> I so remember seeing this because there wasn't an early screening of it. And, of course, we wanted to get a review up. And I went to the earliest screening that I could find. And once I got there and it started, I looked around and there were only single dudes in the audience. Nothing but single dudes. And I remember the trailer and I thought, boy, you Y'all all are think in the wrong movie. this is a different movie <laughs> than what it is. And, of course, they're probably thinking the same thing about me. But I have my notebook, guys. Right. So I'm like, look, I'm here to review this. That's but, right. But uh, yeah, it turned out to be way different than the trailer makes you think it is. It, yeah, it's uh, it's from Julia Ducourneau, whose Raw was such a spectacular film, one we showed for uh, Fright Club, one of my favorite horror films of the last decade at least. So we were very, very excited to see this movie. And and then it won Cannes. Do you know how unheard of that is? Not only that a female filmmaker, but a horror film won. She was the Cannes. second female director ever to it's, win Palme d'Or. And, and I, I don't know if there's ever been a horror movie to win it. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, and yet, it's a very recent film. So we're not going to tell you what she had sex with. Because just <laughs> in case, maybe you haven't seen it. Um, and it's it's like three movies in one. It's the most original, unique concept 
the performances are just stunning. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's, it is, it's probably the most original film that I've seen in, in since A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, if, if not since before then. Yeah. I mean, it's just, a, it's just a fascinating, insane movie. We should say the main um, performers, Agatha Russell, Russell from plays Probably Alexia Rousseau, Rousseau and Vincent Linden plays Vincent. Vincent, and they are both great. And it's also, it's strangely funny. There's that it, one scene oh where God, she's yeah. walking around wondering how many people she has to kill that is, is very funny. It is really it's funny. It's also incredibly violent and, and weird, but in the end, it really gets down to a theme, and, and Julia Ducanel has, has commented on the fact that it's a continuation of the themes from Raw, specifically the idea that unconditional love is so remarkable and hard to find, and that's so true because no matter all of the craziness that happens in this movie, these two people form a bond yep. that they want to to continue no yep. matter what. Yep. No, it's a, I mean, in, in a really weird way, it's a beautiful film. It is. But it's, it's also just really messed up um, in the best way. <laughs> but we're not going to tell you how because maybe you haven't seen it. Who yeah. hasn't seen it? Who hasn't seen Tatane? Okay. okay. Well, definitely. A lot of people. So, yeah, yeah we'll we do not want to spoil it no. for you. But uh, seek it out. You possibly can. Yeah, yeah, see it. And that is number one on our list of They Had Sex With What? And we are running out of time, so we got to get on this. Um, should we hold the... Hold the announcement or just say it or hold the announcement until after. No, we have to say it now because the slides will be down. All right. We got to say it now. We're going to be moving Fright Club to Friday nights uh, starting in July. After much conversation with Chris Hamill here at Gateway Film Center, we have settled on Friday nights. And there is your timetable. Going to be happy hour at 8 o'clock. We'll do the podcast at 9 and then show movies at 930. Mm -hmm. So Fright Club, we hope you will uh, embrace that. To a Friday night party yep. and movie here at Gateway. Yep. And uh, what we're going to show, which we've been trying to get for like three years, is Voices. Uh, it's just a remarkable film with Ryan Reynolds. And we're going to talk about cats in horror movies because that sounds super fun, actually. And somehow we're going to find a way to mention our diva cat Velma, Velma. at home. Oh, yeah. We're going to work her into the slideshow. <laughs> There's no question about that. So Friday nights from here on out, Fright Club. Hopefully you will stay frightful with us uh, on Fridays. And that'll start again July 8th. Looking forward to it. And looking forward to this movie. So uh, we're going to show spring here in a minute. Yeah, reminder. Quick we- reminder. Come out. Come out to our fundraiser on Saturday, June 25th at Burns Pub. Yep. 730 to 1030. That is, yeah, 1248 West 3rd in Grandview. Live music from Ladies of Longford. T-shirts, lots of props, lots of things to uh, auction off and have fun with. We hope to see you then. And again, we're going to make a a Facebook uh, post and put it on all the socials. And uh, that reminds me, you can find us easily on Twitter to keep the conversation going, at Fright Club Pod on Twitter, and then uh, on Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website. You can always find us at madwolf.com. And also, Obstacle Corpse has their own socials. That's exactly right. We do. Um, Obstacle Corpse Film uh, on Instagram and Facebook and Obstacle Corpse X on Twitter. And also, if they just want to talk about Fright Club Mm -hmm. on Facebook, George, where should they go and do that? It's been so long, I I forgot to mention it. We have a Fright Club (laughs) podcast Facebook group. All you got to do is send a request to join, and uh, we will, boom, you'll be added. We have a lot of fun there. It's fun stuff. It's it's movie stuff, and we just, yeah, we keep the conversation going uh, right there on that Facebook group. So thank you for reminding me. That's how long it's been. All right, we got a movie to show. Let's talk about it afterwards. Looking forward to uh, all your comments. If you don't have a button, come down and get one. And uh, until next time, when it's going to be Fridays, Fridays in July, and from here on out, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay right. 
Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy the movie. Let's talk after.